Today on City Cash Chicago, I read that we've only had one day of sunshine in the last month and a half, which kind of makes sense because I've been popping vitamin D pills like gummy bears. But rather than wash away in my springtime blues, I'm looking back on the week with two Chicago voices, WBEZ's Patrick Smith and Block Club Chicago's Mina Bloom. It's Friday, May 6th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Some good news. <laughs> I'm feeling real gospel this week. I'm going to have to. <laughs> some good news. Oh, that, yeah, that was, was great. That was decent. That was decent. I love it. Before we jump back into uh, looking at our stories from the week, I wanted to, to hit y'all with, with a, a, a little bit of good news. We usually do that at the end of the show, but I actually got one at the top. According to the Trust for Public Land, which annually ranks cities based on their parks, they just released their 2022 list and Chicago ranks sixth in the country for parks. Uh, D.C. led the way, but but Chicago was right there in the top 10. So I want to ask both of y'all and Mina, I'm going to start with you. Do you have a park that when it's a good day out there, you like to take a stroll through? It's got to be Humboldt Park. I know that that's going to be Patrick's answer, too, I think. You don't know but, me. Um, Humboldt, Park, <laughs> <laughs> Humboldt Park is so fantastic. It's it's huge. And there's so many different parts of it to explore. They have this, like, really cool formal garden. There's just, like, all walks of life enjoying it. And it just feels like this kind of perfect city oasis, in my mind. I don't know. I, I love spending time there. Yeah, I mean, Humboldt Park is the one we definitely spend the most time at because it's the closest to our, our house. We can easily walk over there. Um, I, I'm torn because... I love Garfield Park so much. I love the Garfield Park Conservatory and the grounds there. The Golden Dome is amazing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm going to say Garfield Park just so we don't have the same answer. Although that's tough for me because something like Promontory or even Montrose because I love the lake so much. But I'm, I'm leaving all the lakefront parks out and I'll, I'll go with Garfield Park. Nice. Uh, I like that moment when Patrick says, you don't know me. For people who <laughs> don't know, uh, Mina and Patrick are married. They're actually, I believe, two rooms apart right now with the doors closed. Patrick got his uh, his blanket on his head. Uh <laughs> And so I just love that answer. Uh, for me, it's a, it's a nostalgic pick. It's Washington Park. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the Soul Circus. I just remember our my family taking us there. That's where we would play uh, football for our, for our elementary school. One of the things I was actually shocked about is the thing, our lowest score was acreage. You know, being from Chicago, I assume there are parks yeah. everywhere. There are so many of them. We got huge big, parks. Big. But uh, yeah. but the other cities ahead of us, apparently they got way more parkland. So I'm going to have to get out there uh, around the country and see how other people are doing their parks because, you know, I'm, I'm very biased. Now, I, I like to say Chicago uh, got the best. Central, you can you can take a, a back seat <laughs> to that one. <laughs> Mina, what was that story that really dominated your attention this week? Well, it's the story that really dominated everyone's attention this week. The um, the leaked Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade. You know, we know that the Supreme Court, um, you know, is voting to overturn Roe v. Wade, which, um, you know, has guaranteed basic abortion rights since 1973. Politico was the outlet that broke the story. They got that draft uh, majority opinion on the case. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot this week, she said that Chicago will continue to be a haven for people who need abortions. 
the thing on a lot of people's minds in Chicago is, you know, the rest of the Midwest is a big question mark. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a bunch of states around Illinois, they have these trigger laws that would kick in if, if Roe v. Wade does get overturned. um, And those, that would make abortion illegal in those states. Um, And so we will then in turn see an influx of people trying to get abortions in Illinois, which could, you know, impact care. Yeah, I I thought it was interesting. I think it was 2019 Illinois legislators um, strengthened. We already had pretty strong uh, right to abortion here in Illinois, and they they strengthened that right. And I, I, I think I remember at the time there were certainly some people who sort of saw it almost as just just political because it was sort of like, well, we already obviously have this right. It's not in danger here in Illinois. And I think what, considering what we, what it seems like uh, the Supreme Court is going to do based on this leaked draft, that, that that those lawmakers were prescient to, to make those changes when they did in 2019, mm-hmm. even when there didn't seem to be a direct threat. In 2020, just over 46,000 people had abortions in Illinois. And even in 2020, about one in five came in from other states to have those abortions. So as you're saying, I think you're absolutely right. We're going to see a huge increase I would assume we'll see a huge increase in people coming from out of state to get abortions in Illinois. So Illinois got rid of its trigger laws in 2017. And as you said, Patrick, strengthened uh, the right to abortion care back in 2019. I read that if and when Roe v. Wade is overturned due to the trigger laws in states surrounding Illinois for nearly nine million individuals, uh, Illinois may be the only place or the closest place that they can access safe uh, abortion care. Nine million people aged 18 uh, to 49. What was really heartbreaking in that conversation we had with the Shy Abortion Fund was Megan, the executive director, just looking me in my face and saying, we've been telling you, we've been telling folks that this was going to happen f- for decades. And my hope is that the the people who say, you know, this is a Texas problem, this is a Kentucky problem, this is a Missouri problem, realize that this is all of our problem. This is a human uh, problem. And we have to, to work together to do whatever we can to push back because the people who support banning abortion, they are more uh, motivated. You know, one other th- one other thing to think about with that, um, uh, it made me think of this from a WBEZ story. A couple of our reporters spoke to some anti-abortion activists in the Chicago area. And um, they talked about how, you know, if and when Roe is struck down and, and these other states ban abortions, that Illinois will kind of become almost ground zero for, for all those people who are protesting and that they, they expect to um, increase their presence outside of Chicago abortion clinics or Illinois abortion clinics to try to make it harder for people coming in from other states. So it could mean a lot more tension and a lot more attention for, from anti-abortion activists here, here in the state. Mm-hmm. I know um, that, that this has been dominating people's minds all week, and it will continue to as we move towards the summer where people believe at the end of June into July, Roe v. Wade, after 50 years, will officially be overturned. Um, Patrick, kicking it to you, what was another story coming out of Chicago this week um, that got a, got a lot of attention and you want to talk about? Mayor Lori Lightfoot here in Chicago um, just yesterday announced, made it official, even though she, she, people have kind of known this was coming for a little while, despite her sort of denying it. She made it official, official yesterday that her pick for the Chicago casino is is a Bally's in River West. Um, Bally's owns a chain of, of casinos throughout the country. Mm-hmm. They have a pro- proposal for a casino that's worth more than one and a half billion dollars to be built at 
the Tribune publishing site that's that's basically at Chicago Avenue and Halstead Street or Chicago Avenue and the river. Uh, it would also double as a resort. You know, that still has to be approved by the city council mm-hmm. and the Illinois Gaming Board, so it's not that she's the final say. But obviously her pick is, is a big deal. It means that that is most likely to be the casino that we have here in Chicago. Yeah. Bally's claim that it would bring in the largest tax revenue for the city, around $192 million annually. They say they would hire the most uh, minority black and brown neighborhood uh, residents and, and create a 25% ownership stake for the community. Uh At least from what I've been reading, it seems like a lot of residents are not with it. They have a lot of questions they want asked. How will this impact safety in the neighborhood? Are we thinking enough about gambling addiction? Are we going to put this money back into uh, the community? If they were listening to the residents, it wouldn't be happening. Um, Because um, I know there was a survey done for this ballet proposal, and more than 80% of 2,300 respondents said they oppose this casino we reported really most of the people that or most of the residents I should say that that have weighed in have said no I don't want this and I think that's true for for all the proposals it is. right every it is every yeah. proposal of people who live near it was like no we really don't want that around us I think I thought it was interesting that the alderman who represents the area where this would go alderman Burnett he basically said yeah I know the residents around here don't don't want it I get it I, I'm not sure that I think it's like gonna be the best thing ever but we need the tax revenue. I don't want to see a tax hike, so I'm going to support this, even though my constituents don't want it. Now, I know, despite what we see from the the surveys, what, what people have covered from the community meets, I know there are people in Chicago, maybe who don't live in that neighborhood, who wants a casino. I looked at my own oh, group yeah. chat when I, when I uploaded this news, and people said, okay, I ain't got to go to Indiana. And so if there are any CityCast Chicago listeners who live in uh, near the Bally's proposal in River West, uh, who are actually excited for this, I want you to reach out because I know I can get real cynical. But the truth is, there are people in the city, residents who live in the neighborhood, who are excited for this and, and who say, you know, we're we're Chicago. We should have everything that a big city can have. Uh, so, so if you are that person, feel free to reach out to us at chicago.citycast.fm or leave us a voicemail at 773-780-0246 and tell me why you want a casino in Chicago. Uh, you ain't got to tell me how yeah. much money you plan to spend there. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's a lot of Chicagoans who want the, who want a casino. Maybe they just don't want it near them, which is, you know, that's kind yeah. of the rub, right? It's like a casino in general sounds fun. And as a resident of the city, um, you know, yeah, I, I bet if there's a good concert, I'll, I'll go to it over there. You know, I might I might go. I'm not really a gambler. I might go spend, a, you know, a little bit of money if, if Mina's OK with it. But uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, you better get that in there. I, mean. He's like, <laughs> he said, I might go over there and spend some cheddar. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do I care? Uh, which is why, you know, and I, I don't mean I'm sure that your listeners in sort of River West, River North might not like to hear this. But it's why to me this this site does make sense because. If you're going to have something that brings in a bunch of traffic and that is open late and is, is you know, has all the sort of things that come around with it, a casino and resort, downtown is, is seems like the place for it. I, I agree with that completely. But you're always going to get people that, you know, are essentially saying not in my backyard. And that's what you're getting here. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, 
there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. We also want to make sure that we're shining light on those stories that may fall by the wayside, right? Those those under-hype stories. Uh, so, Mina, what was the story that you want to make sure people pay attention to this week? There have been... Um, a number of fires at homeless encampments in the, in the city of Chicago in recent months and in recent years. Um, I actually covered one in Avondale last weekend. It was at California and diversity under the viaduct there. Um, fortunately, none of the residents were injured, but they did lose everything that they had very tragically, all of their belongings, their clothes, their books, their, you know, their supplies. But like I said, there have been several of these fires. Two of them were in Uptown in recent weeks, and there were also two, at least two, at a different Avondale encampment last year. Um, you know, authorities, they haven't linked these fires, even though there have been several of them. They haven't said, you know, these are all, um, you know, part of a pattern. They also haven't really determined the cause of these fires. These fires have also caught the attention of the mayor's office because, um, some people donate propane tanks to residents living in, in these encampments so they can stay warm in the elements, um, but those tanks can be dangerous. And in Uptown, what we saw was the, those tanks exploded. Um, and so now the mayor's office is trying to come up with legislation that would fine people for giving for neighbors giving these residents um, these tanks um, and also um, – create a task force to to tackle this issue. So um, there's been- Of course there, the city figures out a way to find people <laughs> before they figure out a way to help people. Yeah. Just, and I think that's a big, that's a really good point. And I think that's that's something that that um, advocates would, would, would definitely say as well, that, you know, the, the thing that we really need to do here is throw all of our effort into finding people permanent housing. I'm glad you brought some attention to that. Um, we've tried to talk a as much as possible about how do we increase resources for people who are experiencing houselessness. I know the mayor plans to increase the funding uh, in, in the city's next budget, but I wonder after that federal money dries up, will we still have the level of investment uh, moving forward? Um, Patrick, what was a, a story that you want to make sure you shine some light on? Yeah, so, so I was really interested in a, a new study that came out from, from researchers at Northwestern University, came out on Wednesday, that looked at problematic Chicago Police Department crews, so crews of cops. Um, they used social networking algorithms and machine learning to sort of to analyze police data and identify groups of officers who are abusive or over-aggressive or corrupt or, or even criminal. The problem crews of cops actually act 
really similar to Chicago gangs in a lot of ways. Hey, we've been calling past- them the biggest gang in Chicago. I, believe me, I, 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 I've heard dog. that. Uh, yeah, I know that. And this this backs it up at least for these these um, at least for these crews individual crews. Um, and, and the way they did it, they looked at some famous corrupt cop crews. I'm sure a lot of your listeners, I know you know about the. The group led by former Sergeant Ronald Watts, mm-hmm. uh, who worked in the Ida B. Wells housing project. You know, they pinned fake cases on people. They robbed drug dealers. Um, that's just one example. They sort of looked at what were the uh, traits and characteristics of that crew and how do we identify it in other groups of officers that tend to work together. Uh, the idea here is that these these officers kind of inspire and encourage misconduct among each other and that just by breaking some of these problem crews up, you could prevent a lot of misconduct, prevent a lot of abuse. So it might be a little bit of a dumb question, but when you say like these police crews, are these people who are in the same department that work together? Or are they informal and they find ways to work together? I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused by that. It's that sort of thing of officers who are assigned to be in the same area. It's not like one officer on the west side and one officer on the north side are driving miles and miles to go, to go jump on somebody together. They end up on a lot of arrest reports together. They end up on a lot of misconduct complaints together. And, and they're saying, CPD, hey, by staggering shifts, by moving people out of the district, by breaking up formal crews, you can take a lot of different steps to try to break these up. Man, I got a video on my phone from earlier this week. There was a guy outside, like, yelling at his him and his uh, his partner were in a kind of heated argument and of course one SUV pulls up by the time the like 30 minutes has passed six SUVs for one dude are sitting outside of my apartment Um, but but my biggest concern is because if I hear you know five people when they get together they are you know they act in ass they violate people's rights just split them up If you split them up, those are still five people who under the right circumstances are willing to beat people, are willing to violate people's rights, are willing to extort people. Yeah. How is just breaking them up going to solve anything? If you've got a cop that you can prove is dirty, is abusive, is corrupt. uh, Yeah, that person needs to be taken off the street. I think we have we have kind of a, a double issue with that, which is one, our accountability system for cops is so broken that. Police officers are almost never found guilty of any misconduct that they're accused of. And so even though you can't punish them based on the contract, based on the rules of the game, you can at least break them up so they stop jumping on people together. And then the other part of that would be for some of this stuff that's like truly criminal, like robbing drug dealers or setting fake fake crimes on people, you got to make sure you have a tight-knit crew in order to pull that off because it only takes one person who's sort of like, wait a minute, what the hell are we doing? Right. And so the idea by breaking them up is it makes it at least harder to do that kind of widespread corruption. But but it always gets me because it's the more and more I talk to data scientists and they say, yes, sometimes the data just says things that people have been telling you for years and generations and generations. So a part of me, when these studies come out, my first mind is often to ignore them because I'm like, I don't need a researcher to tell me that five bad officers together are likely to beat the hell out of somebody, violate somebody's rights, extort somebody. I've had officers talk to me in the most disrespectful, dehumanizing ways throughout my life. And yet it is so important when these studies come out for us to pay attention, because when it's time to make changes and decision, we've seen the city ignores word of mouth. They ignore point of view. They ignore our lived experiences. They turn to these universities to provide them with data. And so my hope is that 
we actually do something with it because it is just backing up the lived experience of generations of Chicagoans. Uh, but I'm so glad you, you uh, shine us some light on this study. Every week, every episode, we leave the listener with some good news to get them through the weekend to make sure that they realize that even without the sunshine, Chicago is a bright, beautiful, and joyful place. Uh, so we want to make sure that we we leave people uh, with a moment of joy before we get out of here. Mina, what is your some good news? So for me... The good news is that the outdoor Logan Square Farmer's Market is back this weekend. I love a farmer's market. Come <laughs> on. Yes, <laughs> outdoor farmer's on. market season. Um, if you know, you know, and a lot of people know. <laughs> a lot of people know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it wasn't the same the last couple of years during the mm-hmm. pandemic. I mean, I know we're still very much in the pandemic, but um it wasn't the same last year or or the year before they had like a a really long line like there were only so many people that were allowed in and so now it's opened it up for better or worse outdoor farmers market is just like such a summer experience i also think that the logan square market is the best market in the city although i'm very biased i cover logan square live in logan square breathe logan square (laughs) um so I'm very excited for that. Um, And I will just plug and say that on opening day, which is this Sunday, a big swath of the boulevard will be shut down just for the market. Milwaukee to Sacramento. Yeah. Um, It'll really feel like you're, you're at like a summer festival. It's very exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> the Logan Square Farmers Market is coming back 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Sunday at Logan Boulevard. I think I made good news for the show for like three weeks, a different farmer's market in the city. <laughs> I love that. For like days on end. And there was just a point, I remember Simone Carey just being like, enough with the farmer's market, dude. We get it. You like Listen, jams. they're, they're so joyful. It's, so, it's such a night to like be walking in the sunshine, getting some beautiful vegetables. Like it's just, it's the best. Patrick, what's your some good news to get the people through? Yeah, my my good news, the Chicago Sky are back. They're playing tonight on Friday uh, mm-hmm. against the L.A. Sparks at Wintrust Arena. The reigning WNBA champions are, are returning. You know, Mina and I went to one of the semifinal games last uh, last year. So fun. Uh, and it, it's, it's just so fun. It's such an amazing atmosphere. I mean, they're a great team. Obviously, they're the champs. But it is like such a Chicago experience and also such a wholesome experience. I just... I loved it. It's one of my favorite live sporting events I've ever I've ever been to. Also, and, and, and I'm excited up. for their season to be back. Chance the Rapper was at the game that we were at, which felt so That's Chicago. That's why I, I said it was a Chicago experience. I know, that's what I'm saying. Experience. It, Chance the Rapper is there, I would say. Yeah, there were like swarms of people <laughs> around Chance, and they were playing his music. Everyone was getting into it. I was like, this is, yeah, so Chicago. <laughs> and I'm excited because Candace Parker did not get to play the L.A. Sparks last year because she was injured. And, and I'm trying to see her put some on their head. I'm trying to yeah. see. Uh, remind them that you know not letting her see the floor during uh, clutch and crunch time when she was with the Sparks wrong choice letting her walk away to come to her hometown team wrong choice thinking that she was past her prime wrong choice uh so, so I'm excited and uh yeah I'm, I'm trying to see the sky repeat we need some back-to-back WNBA ain't seen it. it in 20 years uh and, and so we need it yeah yeah I totally agree for me, my some good news is reserved for my boy Saba. 
Uh, Saba's Back at Home Tour uh, kicks off. Uh, it was in Chicago last night at the Aragon. Uh, I was in the building. Uh, and then tonight I'm meeting up with Album Rebrews. It's a podcast in Chicago where they drink beer and they review albums. And we're going to be reviewing a few good things from Saba. I've been a fan of this man for at least the last 10 years when his first mixtape, uh, Get Comfortable, came out in 2012. I was in college. Uh, shout out to Saba. Shout out to Pivot Gang. Uh, I saw WBEZ covered the the tour this week, and that was yeah. such a well-done article. Yeah, and that song on that album with G... I mean, a lot of that... I mean, that album was great, but that song with G Herbo was really great. And, Survivor's and I Guilt? I was, yeah. Soon I, as yes, it it's Survivor's Guilt. Hell yeah. It, I remember I was uh, I was volunteering and helping teach a class at Young Chicago Authors the first time somebody played me Church Liquor Store mm. and that song is just like so I've good. Been, I've been a fan ever since. Yeah, yeah, I remember when you played that for me, Pat. I was like, oh man, this guy's awesome. They ask you what's the cause and effect. A doobie's packed and they fat. Now you call and collect. They booby trapping a trap. The police pulling the pulley. You'll fall for it. You silly. Mina, Pat, I'm so grateful for y'all stopping by City Cash Chicago. From two rooms apart, y'all still was like y'all right <laughs> next to each other. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. It's, it's always a blast. I, I, I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you so much. It's awesome. Mina Bloom uh, covers Logan Square, Avondale, and Humble Park for Block Club Chicago, and criminal justice reporter for WBEZ, Patrick Smith. Y'all have a great rest of y'all day. You too. You too. Before I let you go, you heard me and Mina showing some love to the Logan Square Farmer's Market. So that got me thinking, I wonder what's my team favorite item to grab at their local farmer's market. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, what you picking up? I'm getting some sort of breakfast pastry, hopefully a scone and a big cup of coffee and then just roaming around because otherwise it becomes like grocery shopping and I hate grocery shopping. Producer Simone Alisea, what you got in your farmer's market cart? Fresh mozzarella and fresh tomatoes for a farmer's market caprese. Newsletter writer Sydney Mann, what's your go-to? Bread from the farmer's market is just superior to all other bread, specifically brioche. Just it's different. And me, I'm a sucker for some good jams and jellies. I don't even eat apricots like that, but you call it an apricot spread and your boy buying it for some reason. <laughs> Of course, I got to thank the people who make the music here at CityCast. That's Sam Thousand and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. And as always, I say my last thank you for you. If you're new to the party here at CityCast, kick back, grab a drink, and relax. We're going to be here for a while. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Feel free to sing if you want to. (laughs) I won't sound as good as that though, but that Oh come on. Simone Simone be editing this stuff. She 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 got auto tune. She got auto tune for us. All right, if she auto tunes me, I'll do it.